Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you very much, worship team. It's great to always great to be with you. This is a highlight for me. I don't remember when I've been able to be with you in chapel two days in one week, and I always enjoy it when I get a chance to worship with you. What a great, uh, what a great opportunity for me. I really hope it is well with your soul. Amen. Boy, this world is a world that'll turn your head around, and it'll get your heart in trouble. But when your soul's right with God, you can have a good life no matter what. It's great to welcome all the family members here for the family weekend. Could we just have any of you that are here for the family weekend, family parents, would you, would you mind standing real quick? And we'd like to welcome you uh, as our guest this weekend. Great to have you all here. And then those of you that are here for the Hope in the Midst of Suffering conference that Johnny will be speaking at, would you stand for a minute? We'd like to welcome you guys. I know it's a great uh, conference. Welcome. She was 17 years old on a sunny summer afternoon, out for a ride in, in a meadow. And she dove into a little pool that she didn't understand and realize wasn't very deep, hit her head and broke her neck. 17 years old, she became a quadriplegic. For most people, that would have destroyed her life. For Johnny, it set her on a trajectory that neither she nor any of her family or friends could have understood where God would take her. She turned suffering into a platform for amazing ministry all throughout the world. Only God knows how many thousands and thousands and thousands of people who have been ministered by Johnny Erickson Tata and Johnny and Friends International Ministries. She's an artist. She learned how to paint with her teeth, with a paintbrush in her teeth. She's a singer. She's recorded uh, several albums. She's written 50 books. This is the 25th anniversary of the Americans with Disabilities Act, 25 years old today. Johnny helped to write that act. God has used her in government and in places where there's tremendous suffering with individuals. And through her ministry, she truly has changed the world. In 2009, she became one of the Society of World Changers inductees here at Indiana Wesleyan University. Most importantly, Johnny is a follower of Jesus Christ, and she's our friend. Would you join me in welcoming Johnny Erickson Tata? I was sitting in the back during worship Oh my goodness, the spirit certainly is here this morning. You guys worship with such passion. And that's what I love about the Holy Spirit. He not only puts passion in our worship, he puts passion in our service. And I think you could probably tell from that video up there that I'm pretty passionate about what we do at our ministry. And it's not just because the needs of people with disabilities are so great here in the United States and around the world, it's because Jesus, to tell, Jesus tells us to go out, find the disabled, and bring them in. In Luke chapter 14, he says it clearly. When you give a banquet, don't just invite your friends, your rich neighbors, your relatives and brothers. No, if you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, Invite the poor and the crippled, the lame and the blind. 
do this and you will be blessed. Guys, it's not many places in the scripture that Jesus gets that specific about who he once invited into his kingdom, but right there you've got it. Of all the people you might overlook, don't forget people for whom affliction is a way of life. Break out of your comfort zones, pull up the tent pegs in your thinking, and reach out to those you might not normally connect with. People in wheelchairs, people who use walkers, people who use white canes, because it means such a big blessing. Take the story of my friend Carla Larson. You could tell on that video that our ministry holds retreats for special needs families around the United States. We held 27 of them this summer, serving thousands of disabled people and their families. Well, I met Carla at one of these retreats. And let me tell you about her. I, when I first went on the campus of that retreat, I was flipping through the registration cards to see who was coming. And I noticed one person, Carla, coming who had lost both of her legs. She had lost seven fingers. She was legally blind. She had only one kidney, had suffered three heart attacks, dealt with severe edema, constant angioplasties, and I thought, I gotta go meet this lady. So I found her on campus and I said, Carla, I'm so glad you were able to make it. To which she replied, well, Johnny, I, better, I thought I'd better come to Foundry Retreat before I lost any more body parts. <laughs> the lady had not obviously lost her sense of humor. And she had a blast that week. It was wonderful watching her having so much fun. But more than that, she inspired all of us who saw her persevering. And she had a great time at camp. In fact, she went back to her house that following week and wrote me a note of thanks. Except it arrived in a big box. And when I opened it, I saw the note was attached, twist-tied to one of the toes on one of her used prosthetic feet. And the note read, Dear Johnny, since all of me cannot be with all of you all of the time, part of me will have to do. <laughs> Titus chapter 2 verse 7 says, In everything set them an example. And that's what Carla did. She understood the power of example. She inspired courage in people just by showing up, just by getting up in the morning and facing the day, just by arriving. It only takes one person like that to influence many for the good. And when I feel overwhelmed by my 48 years of quadriplegia, Carla's courage inspires me. She helps me to want to win the day. That's because people who suffer greater conflict always have something to say to those who suffer lesser conflict. But not all of us welcome suffering, do we? We want to erase it out of the dictionary. And perhaps that's one reason why at least some people walked wide circles around Carla's wheelchair. We politely avoid people for whom suffering or affliction is a way of life. Sometimes their hardships only remind us of our own hardships. When it comes to suffering, most of us want to escape it, drug it, remove it, medicate it, surgically exorcise it, do
do anything but actually live with it. And that's how I once looked at suffering. I remember when I broke my neck at the age of 17, I fell into a deep depression. When I was released from the hospital, I went to live with my sister JK on the family farm in Maryland. And there were many weeks when I just refused to get out of bed. I could not face the prospects of living the rest of my life without use of my hands or use of my legs. And there were many nights when I would thrash my head back and forth on my pillow, hoping to break my neck at some higher level and thereby end my own misery. And in the morning, my sister would come into the bedroom and she'd want to get me up and I would tell her, no, no, please, just close the drapes, turn out the light, shut the door and leave me alone. And finally, lying there after so many weeks in the dark every day, I cried out to God, God, I can't live like this. I just, I just can't do this. I mean, I, I hate the idea of being paralyzed for the rest of my life, but I can't live like this either. So please, God, if I'm, if I'm not gonna die, show me how to live. That was the first prayer I prayed. It was short, it was sweet, simple, but it was from the heart. God, if I can't die, you're gonna have to show me how to live. And then there were the mornings my sister would come into the bedroom and I would, with a smile, tell her to open the drapes, turn on the light, put me through my range of motion exercises and bed, bath, and toileting routines, sit me up in the wheelchair, and those were days my sister would, after she got me up, she pushed me to the living room and there was a black music stand, much like this one, and she pushed my wheelchair under it and she plopped my Bible on it and then put a mouth stick in between my teeth because I'm not very good turning pages, my hands don't work. And I would sit there for most of the day, flipping this way and that way through the Bible, desperately looking for help and hope. And one of the first verses I came across was 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, where it says simply, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. When I read that, at first I was put off, but I thought I have nowhere else to go. So if I'm gonna follow Jesus, I'm just gonna to have to daily pick up this cross and by his grace, make it happen. And if Jesus learned obedience through the things that he suffered, as it says of him in Hebrews chapter five, verse eight, then am I above my master? I don't think so. He left me an example, not only that we should bear a cross, but he left us an example through the manner in which we should bear it. And now 48 years later, I am still doing that. Day in and day out, God is still showing me how to live. Please don't be thinking that 
just because I worked on the Americans with Disabilities Act or just because I lead a ministry that takes wheelchairs around the world. Please don't be thinking that I've got my act together. No, I don't. I wake up every morning and it's not easy. I will tell you simply, when I get up in the morning, I can hear my girlfriend in the kitchen running water for coffee, and I know she's gonna to come to my bedroom in a few minutes, and she is going to give me a bed bath and do my toileting routines and, and, and exercise my legs and, and put my pants on and dress me and sling me into the wheelchair, then push me to the bathroom and brush my teeth, brush my hair, blow my nose, and I'm lying there in bed thinking, oh God, I am so tired. I don't know how I'm gonna do this. I don't think I can face this day. I have no energy for this day. I have no resources for this day. I have no smile for this day. But God, you've got energy. You've got resources. I cannot do quadriplegia, but I can do all things through you as you strengthen me. So please, Jesus, may I borrow your smile today? I have none for this girl who's gonna come in here into the bedroom to get me up this morning, so may I please borrow your smile. And I tell you what, by 7.35 in the morning, I've got a smile, I've got joy sent straight from heaven, all because I wake up needing Jesus desperately. And guys, I think that's, that's the Christian way to wake up in the morning. That's the biblical way to wake up in the morning. That's the only way to wake up in the morning. Most people are ashamed of their weaknesses. But the Apostle Paul says, no, delight in them, boast in your limitations, glory in your infirmities, because then you know how much you need God. You need him desperately. Then maybe the really handicapped people are the ones who, when their alarm clock goes off in the morning, they throw back the covers, jump out of bed, take a quick shower, scarf down breakfast, perhaps give God a speedy tip of the hat of a quiet time for a few minutes, but then they're zooming out the door on automatic cruise control. Did you know that if you lived life like that, even as a Christian, God resists you? James chapter four, verse six says, he resists the proud, yet he gives grace to the humble. And who are the humble? Just people like you and me who understand our desperate need of Jesus. I remember when I was in Ghana with our Wheels for the World outreach delivering wheelchairs there to needy disabled people. We were setting up the distribution area and early on there came an African man dragging himself across the floor into our distribution center. And I guess he was paralyzed from polio he wore his flip-flops on his hands, and so he was walking on his hands, dragging his legs behind him. And when he saw me, he recognized me, and he leaned back on his paunches, spread his arms wide, and said, oh, Johnny, welcome to our country, where God is so much bigger. And he's bigger because we need him more. Oh, to need God more. And that's what suffering does. That's what disability does. That's what affliction and heartache and disappointment do. It helps us recognize our desperate need of Jesus. God always seems bigger to those 
who need him most. I mean, we look at Carla and those like her, and we are forced to think, if God's grace can sustain a woman with no legs, nearly blind, half a kidney, or if God's grace can sustain a quadriplegic like me, who at one time hated her handicapping condition, then we all ought to be boasting in our affliction. We all ought to be delighting in our infirmities. It doesn't mean I love my wheelchair. It is a strange, dark companion, but it is a companion nonetheless. It is an unwelcome guest, but it is a guest nevertheless. And so I can in everything give thanks because this is what forces me into the arms of Jesus every day, just like Carla's disabilities forced her. By the way, a few years ago, Carla hit the limit on her body parts. She had no more to give, and so she went home to be with the Lord Jesus. But I want you to know that all 1,500 members of her church turned out for her memorial service. And I think that's because the people in her church understood what a precious, valuable member of the body of Christ she was. She inspired courage in others just by showing up. Carla confirmed the power and the reality of Luke chapter 14, the scripture we began with. Go out, find the disabled, and bring them in. And her church was blessed because of it. Suffering is never easy, especially when you're young. But when you are young, you get an inside glimpse into these marvelous truths about which I've been speaking in how suffering drives you into the arms of Jesus. It is what I love about the Holy Spirit. He puts passion not only into our worship, but into our service. And that's why I thank you for waking up in the morning needing Jesus desperately. Do not be ashamed of your weaknesses. Do not be ashamed of your limitations. But let those be the very things like Jasmine that drive you into the arms of Jesus every day. So thank you for getting up in the morning and remembering the Lord Jesus tomorrow when you go about your worship, when you go about your service. And if you'd like to learn more about serving among people with disabilities like Jasmine, if you'd like to put feet to your faith, if you wanna put authenticity into your testimony, then I invite you to serve with us. It is exciting. It is joy-filled, and it is so richly rewarding because you do indeed experience the passion of the Holy Spirit in worship and in service because you are reaching out to those that Jesus told us in Luke 14 to go out to, into the streets and the alleys and the highways and the byways, find the disabled and bring them in. Our ministry provides internships, Cause for Life internships to students just like you to students like Jasmine. Not only global mission internships, but vocational internships at our International Disability Center. It's called our Cause for Life Internship Program, and some IWU students have already participated, including one of your own, Moriah McReynolds. A shout out to her, wherever you are. There you go. And if you want more information about serving with us as an intern, 
then I invite you to visit the Student Center across from Baldwin. We've got a Cause for Life internship table set up there. Or you can sign up for our Hope in the Midst of Suffering conference. It is sponsored by the School of Nursing here at Indiana Wesleyan. And I want to thank Professor Barbara Erke for helping to champion that, along with Dr. David Wright, because uh, he is such a strong supporter of what we do at our ministry. So thank you. Thank you for investing in the gospel. Thank you for going where the kingdom is weak and making it strong. Thank you for wanting to go where the world is bleeding out of control in order to apply the tourniquet. Thank you for being a person who invites the Holy Spirit to give you his passion for worship and service. And the really good news, guys, is you don't have to break your neck to experience it. God bless you, and thanks for listening. Thanks so much for coming today. As you go, make a difference for Jesus, will you?